Here we go, episode two, Golf Subpar, with my man Drew Stoltz. I am Colt Nost. What's happening, buddy? Good to be with you. Week two, coming off a big week one with Johnny Rom. Week two, another big dog, Gary Woodland, in champ. the building. The people's yeah. champ. The people's champ, absolutely. I think when you win the U.S. Open, you're officially the people's champ. Yeah, that's the one for the people. And he is very much middle U.S. guy, you know what I mean? Grew up not even playing golf. That's that's people's, people's champ. And he let you hang out with the trophy one night in Vegas. He did. Thank God I have pictures and videos because I don't remember much of it, but I know I had a good time with it. That's why you never won, won a major because you couldn't handle That's the responsibility why. of handling of the, of keeping the trophy alive for a year. I, that would be a tough. I will be gig, honest. By the way. You say that I won the USAM and I lost the trophy one night. I remember when you USGA. If you're listening, it's fine. I found it. I remember I, when you won it. Like it was on the 17th green or whatever. You picked it up and the the lid fell off yeah, of the thing right I on did. the top. Bad look right away. Well, that I, should be that should I be it, molded I it was on like there. a lid. That should be more. Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't. Well, you wouldn't think it could fall it. off. I didn't know it just fly off. But like the Stanley Cup, when guys win the Stanley Cup, everyone gets to spend a day with it. How is that thing still intact? You know, with all the stuff those guys do with it. It's uh, yeah. If it could talk, yeah. The stories that would be a would good be like documentary. Follow the Stanley Cup for for every guy's day with it. That's an idea. idea. Another idea for golf.com. Just Here we are. Idea, idea guys. Just coming up with gold content. Speaking of gold content. Uh, Gary Woodland is upcoming, but Colty, there's a lot going on right now. A lot of celebrity golf being played right now, right? We had the, you got Palm Springs, you got the celeb, some celebs out there, uh, Phoenix open, all the dudes show up on Wednesday. Then you just had Pebble beach pro-am shout out to Larry Fitz and Kevin Streelman for winning that for the second time. Uh, but a lot of celebrities playing golf, a lot of golf being recorded. I want to know right now, your dream foursome. If you, if you were going to be in one of these celebrity events, but you could create your celebs that you get to play with who you got. Yeah, it's tough. A, that's a thinker, dude. It's tough. That's a thinker. Um, well, I'm gonna go with the people I grew up. Yeah, don't idolizing. just name like three smoke show actresses. That's, no, I'm that's not. the easy out. They're gonna be an actual golf. Okay, actual golfers. Michael Jordan, favorite athlete of all time. That's fair. Loves to golf. Loves to gamble. It's fair. Likes his tequila. We got a lot in common. Other Lots. than that, elite short, athletes. White and fat. Yeah, short, other white, that, fat. Kind of the same person. Tall, black, great yeah. athlete. Whatever. But yeah. other than that, other than that, close, close. close. Yeah, we like a lot of the same things. Yep. Um, Charles Barkley, even though he sucks at golf, he's so entertaining. Yeah, that's another good. big gambler. Yeah, yeah, as well. And then, I mean, to be honest, play, being golf growing up, it's hard not to pick Tiger Woods. Wow, you're going all athletes across yeah, the board. Here. I am. I don't really care. I'm a, I'm a sports guy, Drew. I don't care about much else. Yeah, good point. Good point. You so are those are my three. Very one dimensional. I mean, how about that? Colt Nose, Tiger Woods, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan. The stars are. Out. I don't know if anyone could pick me out. The stars them. are out. <laughs> They'd be like, "Who's this caddy with all these stars?" And it will be at Shadow Creek in Las Vegas. Just, I'll even pick the place for you. Yeah. Okay. That that's fitting. That's a fitting venue for that. Spend the whole weekend together. Just that's the four of us. All right. I'm gonna play right behind you at Shadow. Okay. Also. Okay. I'm going diff- a total different route with you. I have no golfers. In fact, a couple of my guys. I don't know if they've ever picked up a club. First one definitely has my all-time favorite guy, Larry David. Gotta have LD. Big golfer, actually. LD in the mix. You know, we could talk about next season ideas for Curb, my all-time favorite show, and a big golf guy. So he would he would fit the mix. Never would be a dull moment with Larry. B, my B player, I'm going Jamie Foxx, my guy. We're gonna need to talk about making the movie about my life. You know, I'm gonna make sure he's he's dialed in on on all the different angles that he needs to, all the depth of the character that he's gonna have to play. Jamie Foxx, pretty sure he's never played golf before. Doesn't matter. He can just ride around in the cart. Three, I'd probably have to go with my other guy. Marshall Mathers. Oh. Yeah. We could probably collab. Groupie. You know, we both, you know, we came up in the rap game together, basically. And uh, we'd have a lot to talk about there. And then if I if I could have a caddy, I'd have Joe Pesci. 
Okay, well, that was so not no part golfers. of the deal. I just added that in First at the off, end. I don't know if Larry David's going to be comfortable playing with you, oh, Eminem, and Jamie Foxx. That's what would make it so great is, like, all the awkward conversation. Larry would drive it forward with all – if anyone can bring that four pe- those four people together, it's LD. That would be dream force. We'll play right behind you. Oh, I can't wait for the 19th hole. Oh, what a time. That's that would be. be fun, though. That would be. Oh, it's incredible. That would be incredible. So, and then th- those would be my, my boys. My foursome will play your foursome in hoops and for everything. I think LD could be sneaky. <laughs> could be sneaky nice, dude. Like a little Pistol Pete, skinny white guy with socks. It. Yeah. Could That'd be, be fun. If we can make that happen, anybody can make that happen out there. That'd be fantastic. All right, Drew, now let's get into one of our favorite segments that we started last week called Funny Money, where we discuss some of our greatest gambling stories, pranks, whatever else there is amongst tour guys or some of our good friends out there. What do you got for me this week? Yeah, I got a little story. I'm going to stay with the trend of uh, talking about times that I've beat tour players because they're few and far between, so I I need to fluff myself here early in this podcast. This is a long show, bud. You don't want to give them all out right at the start. I got three weeks worth of content, and then we're out. Then I'm going to have to go. Let me talk about the time I beat my dad out of 20. Uh, yeah, a little funny money story. Okay, I'll give you one. A few years back, we were playing in the uh, in the Twin Fin here in Scottsdale, which is a which is a pro scratch event here. A lot of tour pros come in from out of town. Sean O'Hara was playing with a good friend of ours who's from Scottsdale. I had never met Sean, never been around him. Uh, we played. Um, I'm sorry, the tournament ended. We ended up tying with Sean O'Hara. So we sit down, we're having drinks, we're having a good time, just shooting shooting the breeze, as they call it. And uh, we're like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Let's, let's grab a game at uh, Whisper Rock. And he's like, yeah, let's go out there and play. So we get out there, we get to the first tee, and he's like, all right, what's the bet? And I was like, uh, he asked me if I wanted shots again. I was like, you are out of your, I'm going to destroy you around this place, right? We got good banter going. So at the end of the day, I was like, I'll bet you my 400 against if I win, you pay me zero. But the next time you're interviewed on TV, you have to mention my name. I was like, you can say whatever you want to say about me. I'll let you script it. But my name has to be mentioned in last. full. Drew Stoltz must come out of your mouth. You can say whatever you want. And he's like, done. It's over. So I'm railing. I was like, you'll never get on TV. The only time you win anything is when you got Steve Stricker on your team. You know, like, I don't even know if you'll be there, all this stuff. So we get going. I thump him, end up winning. We shake hands right there. I'm like, I can't wait for you to hopefully get in contention at some point this year. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing what you're saying. Shakes my hand, says, it'll happen. It's all good. Fast forward a year goes by, comes back to the twin fin the next year. He'd been in, he'd been on TV multiple times because I had seen him. He'd gotten interviewed. He'd had the opportunity to do it. And every time I saw it and he didn't do it, I was, I was like, are you out of your mind? Like, have you forgotten this bet? There's no way you can forget about it because I remind you every single week. Like, good luck this week. Can't wait for you to drop my name. You're actually rooting for him to play well. I'm actually, he was yeah. the first guy. Yeah, I was rooting for him to play well, just, but only for me, for selfish reasons. Comes back, had never, had never mentioned it. I was like, you're out of your mind. You owe me 10 grand. That's, you know, you can't squelch on your bet. Grand. All this stuff. And he says, I'll tell you this right now. I'll play you again today, straight up. Uh, it'll be my $2,000. If you beat me, I'll give you two grand and say your name. And if I beat you, uh, the bet's over. It's washed. And I didn't want to even take it. I was like, no, a bet's a bet. You got to do it. Anyways, long story short, he goes out seven under through 15, closes me out like five and four or whatever it was. Dirt nap over, no chance. And then the bet went to bed. And he's like, that's it. Never saying your name ever again and stuff. So anyways, Sean O'Hare, I did beat him the first time. He squelched on the bet. So if you see him out there, make sure you remind him that he still owes me. I, I, I have a hard time just not just letting him get away scot-free with that. So right, that's, right. that's, that's what I, I got. I definitely think I would have held out and made him. Yeah, but the two grand at the time, I was like, yeah, yeah, two, two grand, grand you know, that goes a long way. All right, I'll give, you, I'll give you mine. Mine actually doesn't involve me, but I was there oh, okay. when it all went down. Okay, interesting. So we're playing the playoff, the second playoff event, the Deutsche Bank at Boston. Okay, and it's Thursday afternoon. 
Charlie Hoffman played early. John Mallage and I are, are having lunch, getting ready to go out before the afternoon round. Charlie shoots like 64 in the morning. They're interviewing him. All of a sudden, they're like, you know, how, you know, how'd you do it so well? This course normally doesn't give up scores like that. All this. And he's like, well, you know, I went out early. There was no wind, and the greens were really moist. And all of a sudden, this just shit-eating grin comes across his face. And Mallinger goes, no! And I'm like, what just happened? He goes, we had a $200 bet. First person to say moist on air. <laughs> it's 200 <laughs> and, and so John and he lost. snuck it in. But you could just see Charlie's grin. Yeah. Just, just light up. And uh, those are some of the fun bets that people don't know those about. Those are great bets. They're There's, great. Yeah. You work them into interviews Say, like that. here's your word. You got to put it in. Yeah, and it's great. So, so Charlie won. John lost. And. That was um, a good use of moist, too. Because moist is tough to get yeah, in It's there. a tough one to squeeze yeah, in, I unless such the a greens are, in fact, moist. Yes. So, But it's such a good word. But uh, <laughs> we'll have so many more of those stories coming up in later episodes. But uh, now it's time for Colt versus Drew. Mm, Producer Mark, what do you got for us this Producer week? Producer Mark. All right, first question. Player interviews mid-round. Fair game or out of bounds? Out of bounds. Totally hate them. Totally interrupts things. It's not basketball. It's golf. We're supposed to be focused out there. I don't like it. Yeah, I think it's trash. I think you're going to get garbage interviews. Every person just wanted to say the most generic thing in the world. Get the TV. Get the camera out of my face. Let me get back to playing golf. In theory, they're a good idea. They're not going to work. Another major topic on tour recently: hitting distance. Real problem or overreaction? Mm, you're a good. You're a good. Uh, it's good a one real to talk problem, about. but they don't have a solution. I'll say that. But it, yes, it definitely is a real problem. Um, Things are getting a little out of hand with the only thing that matters now is distance. Hitting the ball straight should honestly be a big part of the game. And right now it's not. So I say it's a big problem. I'll go the other side and say not a big problem. And the reason I say that is I think there's an easy solution. That's grow rough up way higher, firm out the fairways, firm out the greens. You do that right there, scores are going to get higher. And if you put a premium on hitting the fairway, you're going to see fewer guys hitting driver on every single hole as hard as they can. So I think... Is it a problem? Not really, because I think you can tweak back the. I think you can tweak the golf courses to counteract that. All right, boom. More likely to win a major this year, Phil Mickelson or Jason Day? I will go. Uh, you, yeah, my honor. Now I'll go Jason Day. Um, he's not healthy all that often. If he if he could stay away from stubbing his toe and the bird flu and all the other things that he gets, and he can stay healthy, his good golf is really really good, and the way he plays golf with. High bombs, everything. He drives it so well, puts it so well. I would say Jason Day. Uh, it's just a matter of can he stay healthy or not. Totally wrong. Totally okay. wrong. He's A, he's already talking about retirement. B, he's not going to stay healthy. And C, Phil is as physically fit as he's ever been. Yes. He's hitting bombs. And I'm telling you, the golfing gods are going to shine down on this guy. Wingfoot, U.S. Open. He's going to get in. You think it comes he's going to make up for the triple bogey This is on quite the, the prediction hole. here, right here. Phil Mickelson gets his, made, gets his U.S. Open. And completes the career grand slam. Well, yeah, that'd be if you're writing a movie, that would be the the right script. But I'm a realist. Okay, all right, that's well, fair. At least my guy's going to be in the field. Your guy's sitting on the couch. Hurt. Yeah, you could come down with a number of, of ailments Paper in, in this time. Out. Yeah, exactly. Six to eight weeks. All right. More likely future guest on subpar: Tiger Woods or Anthony Kim? Anthony Kim. Anthony Kim, the white whale of the golf world, the guy we want more than anything. We both have a relationship with him, played a lot of college golf with him. You know him real well from Dallas and all that stuff. If anyone in the golf world can get Anthony Kim out of hiding wherever he is, he's like Sasquatch. You hear stories about him all the time. No one can really, really validate them. Anthony Kim, definitely more risky. You think Tiger Woods is going to get in the studio with us? I go Anthony Kim times 100. <laughs> I would kill for either one of them, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Um, 
But I think we have a better shot of getting Anthony Kim as well. Tiger's PR people would see yeah. one episode of this and be like, nope, we're good. Thanks. We're no, going to do they, Oprah they instead. Would love it. Yeah. Tiger's losing up. He, if we could ever get him in Scottsdale, I think we could make it happen. We have a much better chance of tricking Anthony into coming to Scottsdale. Yeah, we can him con him. Tell him there's a poker it. game or yeah, something. Exactly. Something tell him there's on. a big game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We'll get him out we here. We got a couple tables at the club, dude. It's all mm-hmm. taken care of. Swoop. Mm-hmm. All right, we're pretty close right now. Better taste in music, Colt or Drew? Oh, God. Go. First off, you should Go. listen to him when he plays music on the golf course. It's the most ridiculous it's thing good, I've guys. ever heard. We'll hear. I'm cultured. Tupac. Yep. To God, opera music. Whitney Houston. Back to country. A lot of musicals. So, to, to reggae. All it's these. awful. It's yeah. terrible. I'm a, a wide range. Guy. It's not even close. Hands down, I win this. No. Wrong. It's me by a million. I'm very cultured. I have a very large spectrum of things that i like colt is very narrow he likes one thing if it doesn't if it doesn't happen if you can't wear if the guy's singing it's not wearing boots he doesn't listen to it so i have way more hip-hop way more i just don't go reggae to hip-hop to country and mix it all around i like to to get in the mood and go no dude you're steak and potatoes every night i eat the buffet all you can eat boom i sample all of it cheap stuff and it's good yeah if it's on the house yeah Mm -hmm. all right well in honor of diversity we need to keep the winners changing so Diverse no, music taste. Yes. Diverse music taste. Yes. Victory. That's producer Mark. Victory official word. Drew. That's not how this works. You put pick it on the board. Won. It has nothing to do with Put that. it on the board. Don't question the judging. Don't question the judging. Good decision this week. It was a great answer. Nice bounce you, back from last you week. You won Mark. it for him by cl- uh, pointing out his diversity. All right. He, he made my it's argument ridiculous. for him. My Phil Mickelson answer should have won hands down. Yeah, that was just uh, you playing favorites, though. No, it wasn't. You're catering to Phil. Brilliant answer. Okay, fair. One to one. All right. Well, even though I totally disagree with producer Mark's decision, it is now one to one. Drew, I'll give it to you. Congrats on your victory this week. But now let's get to the main event, and that is U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland, who sat down with us here on the Subpar Podcast. We are pleased to be joined by U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland. Gary, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks. I'm glad you're pleased to have me. Yeah, it's very pleasing. You know, Drew and I were talking kind of before the show, you know, we've known we've known each other for quite a long time. And, you know, this friendship was a lot more fun when we could go to restaurants and shit and not get interrupted for pictures and autographs and signing babies and all this. Then you had to go get famous. It's really not that fun to hang out with you anymore, <laughs> except for you pay the tab. Yeah, I'm a good payer. You are. We appreciate that. Thanks. I I still enjoy myself the same before as I do now. He probably enjoys it more. Being <laughs> that he gets his Gets, you know, gets uh, all the attention, gets stuff for he free. He gets a lot think. of attention from old dudes. It's incredible. <laughs> they love hey, him. Attention is attention. <laughs> no. But um, Gary, we're really happy you're here. You know, won the U.S. Open this past year at Pebble Beach. Four total wins on the PGA Tour. Member of the President's Cup team. Uh, what's next? Well, I need to win again. Um, obviously, you, when you win a major and you get the taste of it, um, I know you, you haven't done that. You haven't got that I was about taste. to say we don't know. So. I played a couple. Saw <laughs> that. But all jokes. When you when you get the taste of it, you want more and more. And the the big deal is you got to hone in those expectations because you know all of a sudden you win the biggest tournament you know in the world at the time, and now all of a sudden you want to win every week and you expect to win. And and that obviously hadn't happened. But you got to man, manage expectations. But you got to get to work um, and, and you got to get better because. That week was was really good for me. I did a lot of good stuff, especially with a short game that I haven't done, especially in major championships. And I need to continue to do that and continue to improve. But what I kind of lost after that U.S. Open was the short game won me that tournament. I, my short game was phenomenal. I think I led the field in putting. I was up there in, in chipping, which it doesn't happen very much, as you would know. And so I tried to get so much better at my short game after that golf tournament. I lost my ball striking. 
I've lived and die on my ball striking my whole career. Um, so I need to make sure I continue to do what I do well and improve the other areas um, as much as I can at a slower pace than trying to just jump in all in and, and do it all at once. Um, so I learned that lesson the hard way. I played bad you know, for about two months after the U.S. Open, kind of got back to what I did at ball struck the end of the end of the year and played really well at the end of the year all the way through the President's Cup. Some of that two-month stretch, I would have to think, would have to be um, as a result of celebrating a little bit after that. What did that look like? You win the deal at Pebble, unbelievable moment. What's the next? Give us the next. I know you're on the Today Show and all that, but yeah. give us like a two-week what it looked like right after that. It was a it was a big night that night at uh, the Where'd tap room. Where'd y'all go? Straight yeah. to the tap room. Smart. I had, had media for like three hours. I was starving. I got there. Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas waited for me. Um, when I showed up at Tap Room, they were way ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm get I'm pretty good at getting caught up pretty quick. So I will catch up. I I had to get caught up, which was awesome. The best part of that. So I, I've obviously never seen the U.S. Open trophy. Never touched it. So I get it. And for the record, Jordan Spieth had already won this trophy. So I don't blame this all on myself. And so I'm like, we got to drink out of this thing, right? You know. Of course. So. I can't get the lid off. And so Jordan's like, no, I think I think they welded it on. I don't think it comes off anymore. So we turn it upside down and we pour a bottle of vodka and we're drinking out of the bottom. Out of the, the bottom US- of it. Okay. Well, the USGA has a table of a room down below the tap room. And somebody had texted them and told them, Gary Woodland's drinking out of the bottom of the trophy. So the guy comes up. He's like, hey, can I talk to you? No. I'm like, Am I in trouble? He goes, no, you idiot. The trophy, the, the lid comes off. You had twist. We're trying to pull it. So oh, wow, they must wow. have been way ahead of you if you can't figure really? out how to twist off lid. <laughs> Jordan Speed had won three years prior, so I blame him for that. But anyway, we ended up we finally got it out of this the open at the top of the trophy. We drank out of there for a long time. And it I went straight from there to New York, spent some time in New York, um, had a great time doing the media stuff, which is it's a lot, but uh was really cool. And then, you know, we've we've drank a lot. My my friends that kind of have just an open door, they come in and start drinking out of the trophy just on a random Tuesday yeah. at home. So it's been it's been a lot, but um, it's been really good. I mean, it's uh, it's not a bad thing. Do you take that with you? I think Cole has a story. Do you, is it has it gone anywhere with you since like the immediate aftermath of winning it? The only time I traveled with it was Butch Harmon wanted to drink out of. It. He's like, "Hey, you, we won this. You know, I, I've been with Butch for a long time, and it was it was pretty meaningful." So I'm like, "I don't want to carry this thing through the airport." So I I took <laughs> the lid off and I put it in my carry on and just carried it through the airport like nothing happened. So going through security, did it all. Got to Vegas, Butch and I hung out with it, and lo and behold, the tournament was there the next week, the Shriners, and Colt's in town, and Colt's asking me for this trophy. Go dying. Like, Yo, bring that trophy. I'm like, I get kind of embarrassed walking around with it. Like, I don't want to just be that guy. That's the difference be between you and Colt and me. Yeah. And, and so, we were in Vegas, and I was not sober. Yeah. Finally, Colt's like, it was Wednesday, or I don't know, you know what night it was. I'm like, here's the deal. I don't want to be seen with it, but I will bring it to you as long as you promise not to break it. I'll go eat dinner. And then I'll come back and you know, I'll get the trophy back. I'm eating dinner with my wife at Javier's in Vegas. And Colt walks up full. It has 1942 in the tequila. <laughs> and he had wrote his name in, a, in tape and put it underneath mine. 2020. <laughs> 2020? Coming? Yeah, it was future. I mean, I, I had more people text me. Hey, I didn't know the trophy was there. Bob. I'm like, Colt had, he had more fun with that trophy that night, I think, I than I've had. I don't blame you, dude. You get a, you get two hours with the US Open trophy, you send it. He literally texts me. He goes, hey, is everything good? You got the trophy? I was like, dude, I haven't let it out of my sight. And I went to the bathroom at Ari and I had my buddy. I'd had it while I was at the urinal holding it. <laughs> I was like, dude, I got it. We're good. Don't worry about it. But I had a great time with it. It was fun. Yeah, that sounds like it would be fun. You, know, you said you kind of struggled for two months after after it. Does that make like what Tiger Woods did back in his prime just even more amazing how 
I mean, he wins and then he wins again and wins again and wins again. I mean, it's it's literally unbelievable. I mean, you you look at guys. I mean, who Justin Thomas, who I think arguably is the best player in the world, week in week out, the guy is unbelievable. He wins Maui and then he didn't play his best the next week, you know, and missed a cut. Maybe it's because he was staying with you. I don't know, but he misses the cut. Tiger Woods won every week. I mean, it's and big golf tournaments. I mean, he went Akron and then go win the PGA Championship the next week. I mean, it's yeah, it's he wasn't playing any opposite field events. Unbelievable what like the, the guy fact did. He won seven in a row at one point, like. I know it was you know 10, 12 years ago, but still just – I don't care. And, and there might be a week off here or there, but it's just like, God, I mean, every time you tee it up, he's right there. He never has a down week, and it's, that's just so hard. And I think that's that's the mental part that sets him aside from – it. it's a big – you know, you have to – you won the USAM. You understand. You win a big event, you know, for, for us who haven't won a lot, when you win any True. tour event, that's a big deal. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you come out the next week, and it's – there's more media. There's more expectations. You don't get the preparation you got in the week before. You know, that was the big deal. When I showed up, I had one week off at the US Open. I showed up in Detroit. I get, I, I've always got to golf tournaments on Tuesday. I played nine holes and I played the Pro-Am on Wednesday. When I showed up on Tuesday, I had so many people talking to me, congratulating, you know, which was great, but I didn't get any work in on Tuesday. I, I show up on Wednesday. I have media. I have, you know, sponsor obligations, blah, blah, blah. I'd gotten hardly any work in and I played horrible that week. Tiger has done that every week. Even when he doesn't win, he handles all that media and the expectations and people talking to him. So it's phenomenal what he's done. And obviously we are, all of us, are, we are where we are because of him and what he's done for the game. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So with winning your first major championship, what's the coolest thing that's come from that? Whether it be a text from someone you, you never thought you would have talked to or whether it's something you got yeah, to Yeah, something do. that wouldn't have happened had you not won the U.S. Open. You definitely wouldn't have been on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> Brooks, Kepka, Brooks Kepka would be in this chair right now. We'd be having a great time <laughs> yep. talking about bench press and how to get swole. <laughs> you know, I, I had some unbelievable text messages from people from other sports, which is which I think is really cool. I love sports. And, you know, Chris Paul and some some baseball guy, a lot of guys from that I've looked up to text me, which was awesome to reach out for them. I got invited to a dinner in D.C., which I know nothing about politics, so I'm not going to even talk about it, but – it was Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, um, some senators, some ambassadors, and my wife and I show up at this dinner. And we're there's 16 people at the dinner, and we're going around, and everybody's asking me, you know, what's changed since I won the U.S. Open. I'm like, I never would have been at this yeah. dinner ever if I didn't win the U.S. Open. And it was it was interesting to you know learn and, and talk to these people that are obviously help run in this country. Um, that was that was something pretty cool and special for my wife. Is that uncomfortable at any point? Are very you like, what the hell am I doing at this table? Like, very, I, I hit very, a golf ball. I'm good. At, I'm really good at golf. And these people will, like, run the planet. Like, I don't really know what to talk to people. What are you guys talking yes. about? If you know nothing about politics <laughs> yes. and they don't know nothing about golf, what the hell does that conversation uh, look like? It was hey guys. It was beautiful it was weather. Very nerve wracking going into it. I, I am friends with Brett Breyer um, from Fox. I played a lot of golf with him. So it was at his house and he hosted dinner. So I sat next to him and he kind of emceed the whole thing and kind of eased. He's my, he's me and my wife into it a little bit, but it was assigned seating. So my wife's on the other side of the table. Oh, you're not even next to your wife. You know, no, like a parachute right no, there. Like, hey, girl, no one's talking to me. I'll just the table default. And I'm just, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything <laughs> well, stupid. Dude, don't I couldn't imagine. Don't ask me a question. Um, I read was, USA Today right before I go in, just the headlines. But all right, three, here's three things that are happening. There was a lot of vodka going down, um, which I think eased it over a little bit. And uh, luckily I got through it. And didn't yeah. say anything stupid. Yeah, that could be good. uncomfortable. At least think. I didn't think. I haven't talked to him. Well done. Since I haven't heard that you back, were an idiot so. at that dinner. So <laughs> chances are you did just fine. So you mentioned some of the texts you got from other athletes, which you're obviously, yeah. you know, you said a huge sports guy. Who was your 
idol growing up. It didn't, whether it be in golf or another sport. Yeah. For me, there was two. Michael Jordan. I loved playing basketball. So Michael Jordan was was the man. I grew up, you know, and I was born in '84. So right when when he was going through his heyday in the '90s, I was that was everything. And then I, I loved baseball. And George Brett was my guy in Kansas City. He was my dad's favorite player. He's you know being a Kansas guy. He was he's a god there still. Um, and it's funny they always say don't you don't want to meet your heroes you know blah blah. And I've I've only said hi to Michael Jordan. I don't know him at all. But I've got to know George Brett, and it's uh, it's unbelievable. He's he loves golf, loves to have a good time, um, and it's been uh, that's been a cool relationship that I've had. When I won here in Phoenix two years ago, I I that's before I really knew him too well. He invited me over. I went over with my parents. I think my dad was more excited to go to his house than he was that I won that day. <laughs> um, but hanging out with George Brett and getting to know him and pick his mind a little bit, but. More importantly, having a good time, having dinners with him. Um, that was that was my guy growing up, and it's pretty cool now. I, I pinch myself all the time. Um, now I get to hang out with him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, don't ever meet your heroes unless your hero is George Brett. And then meet the <laughs> hell out of him and hang out with him as much as you can. Dude's a 10 of a he's, guy. He's, ten, he's the best. 10 of a guy. Well, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a Gary Woodland podcast if we didn't talk about basketball yep. a little bit, right? Every time you're on TV. Hey, by the way, did you guys know he yeah. played basketball? And they say that now about like a handful of guys. Like, oh, this guy can really play and this guy can really play. I want you to set the record. This guy can dunk. Like, There's 10 guys apparently on PGA yeah, Tour that can dunk now. They can't, nobody, they can't play. Exactly. Um, That's what my question is. Is there any dude well, on tour? Know. I don't know some of the younger guys. In okay. a game like to 11, Johnson is there anyone play. that can get to four? No. Dustin Johnson yeah. can dunk. I've seen him right. do it. That's different than being able to play basketball. I've, correct. His brother can play basketball. His brother played in college. His brother's a good player. Austin can play, but... No, there's no way that's going to be. Just me. like the video, like Finau dunked, and I was like, oh, he's yeah. a basketball player. Like, there, there's no dude. Let's, let's set the record straight no. right now. No dude on no. tour that could hold a can. No. Could get to four in a game to 11. They can take it. All right, yeah, serious That's question. what I figured. I wanted that to be very clear. If I got to play 60 minutes. Oh, here we go. Every I love single, these. If I got to play every single game in the NBA all season, could I average one point? You'd have a heart attack, first of all. No, right? but I'd just stand out the snowbird down <laughs> okay, there. Okay, yeah. Are you one playing with LeBron? I mean, who are you playing no, I'm in the NBA, bud. Yeah, are you he's in the, NBA. On the bronze team though. Or are you just sitting in Phoenix? I need one point a game. Don't hate on the Suns. Yeah, don't hate the Suns, dude. We're coming. Yeah. yeah. So it's a question. Could Cole get a bucket? A game like he does. Answer the get question. No. You don't think I could get one point a game? I don't know. The only way you score, if, I would if, drive and get fouled, flop all over the place. Unless your team's I can, winning, I can and they shoot, foul you. So you yeah, shoot free throws. Free throw. <laughs> if you, if the other team got a technical and you're the designated free throw shooter, you could get it. You might be able to crack one of those. No. So you're going no. I'm going no. I'm insulted. When you were at Kansas, you came from Washburn, you were playing basketball there, you went to KU to play golf. Did you get a chance to hoop at all with the KU team while you were there? I didn't. Like, you ever um, go pick up? Pick no, up and I, I knew like Brady Mordenstar, I played all through high school against Brady Mordenstar. He was yeah. at KU, he was starting at KU at the time. He he got hurt, went to register. He was, he was, he, well, he went to school, he graduated a couple years after I did just because he redshirted and stuff. But um, I hung out with those guys a little bit, but I never played with them. It got to a point where I, when I left, I missed it so much, and I just wanted to. It's the first time in my life I've ever focused on one sport. I've always played multiple sports my whole life. So when I got to KU, all I wanted to do was play, play golf, and and try to get better. You know, my whole life, especially growing up where I did, I was, I was better than everybody. Everything that I did. When I got to KU, all of a sudden, on a national level, I wasn't better than everybody. I, I had to work to improve. I was playing five man at KU. Um, and it wasn't until really my junior or senior year that I became the better player on the team. So it was it was a learning progress or process for me. Um, and then I trained the same thing when I turned pro. All of a sudden, now you're going to another level. And I wasn't the best guy again. I had to continue to work and get better. And 
you know, now I'm to a point where I'm pretty good, but I'm still not anywhere near the best players in the world. So I got to continue to improve. So that's, that's leads into my next question. So you're currently ranked 15th in the world. What's it going to take to get to that top 10, top five, possibly number one in the world? Yeah. When are you going to get good, Gary? Yeah. yeah. You know, the big deal for me is I drive. I think I'm one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. I, I do. I hit it a long way. I'm starting to drive it straighter, um, which allows me to hit more drivers. And when I do that, I'm having more wedge wedges and short game um, needs to get better. It needs to get more consistent. Obviously, I did it the one week at the U.S. Open, but the putting has to continue to get better, which I think it is. I, I put a lot of work in with Phil Kenyon. I think we're doing some great things. I'm not really searching anymore on putting. Um, I'm learning to read greens better, learning to get more feel and certain things like that. So. I have to continue to improve with that. The ball striking, like I said, has got me to where I am today. Um, I need to continue to do that, but continue to improve a little bit on that. But most of what I need to do is I need to drive the ball in the fairway, and then the wedge game and short game has to take over. Yeah, and I and I hate admitting it, and you you did have it for that week. And Sleaze will tell you I've said your your chip shot on seventeen off the green oh. at at Pebble Beach was the shot of the year. Yeah. Like it was. <laughs> Cole like, won't I don't shut up about it. How people don't understand how hard that is. Like on Tuesday, yeah, you can pull that off. Yeah, try it with your buds. You I'll still just might, it over you this still might mess it up on Tuesday quite a few times easily. But Sunday, U.S. Open with the lead. I mean, you would have so many people would have duffed that right in front of them. Was there any the yeah screen. any time where you were like, you know what, I'm just going to put this thing down here, 15 no. footer, maybe I make it. But worst case, I'm making four. The lucky thing like, with that was this. I had the exact same shot on Thursday, not to that pin, but I hit it on the right side of the green on Thursday. The pin was on the left. So I chipped it off the green on Thursday and got it up and down as well. I hit it to 10 feet and made the putt. When I hit the shot off the tee on 17 on Sunday, my caddy said, hey, you have to chip that. So I had 225 yards the whole time in my mind I was chipping it. So I never got to up there. I'm like, should I chip it? Should I putt? I always knew I was going to chip it. And it was kind of funny. Justin Rose, who I'm good buddies with Justin Rose. And that was really the first round of golf we ever played where we didn't talk much. I mean, he was it was Sunday of a major championship. So I could tell early in the, on the round he wasn't going to talk much. Um, so we hadn't said anything to him. When I hit that chip shot, he came over and gave me a fist pound. And I'm like, that's when it kind of sank in. I'm like, all right, that, that was that was pretty good for him to step out of his element and you know, show respect for the shot was. That's when it's cool when a competitor does it. Yeah. And it's like it takes huge balls to even try it, but to pull it off the way you did and kick in and all that, like it's unbelievable. Was there any point? Was there any point where you were like, like five years ago, would you have tried that shot, or was it a development of your short game? They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with hitting this now. It's funny because Colt knows we grew up. I grew up working with Randy Smith, and my short game when I got to him was atrocious i mean i literally couldn't that's chip being the golf nice ball. <laughs> that's being very nice <laughs> so randy i chipped at royal oaks he used to have me chip off the greens all the time um and so i something i was comfortable with i used to before i went to the first tee i always hit two chips off the green um so i had i had hit the shot you know and unfortunately at pebble the greens were firm which i think helps with that shot you know if they're soft poena that's going to be pretty tough but the greens were firm and it was one of those deals. I wasn't obviously it was nice to hit it close. I was trying to hit it 15, 20 feet past the hole. I was trying to just get it past so I could take my four and hopefully Brooks didn't make eagle. I, I saw him putting. I didn't know what he was putting for. Um, once I tapped in, I looked up at the scoreboard and saw that he had made par on the last and I had a two shot lead, which was pretty cool. But I was trying to not make five. I was trying to make four, take my medicine um, and fortunately pulled off. Like if you're trying to shot. not make five, you just put, take the putter out, hit it up there, let it creep down <laughs> to about 20 feet and say, all right, I make it or I don't, but I'm making four no matter what. Yeah. You know, if you just want well, to eliminate I mean, five, I know exactly what I'm doing if I'm trying yeah, to eliminate five. If he makes four there, though, point. Brooks gets it up down Don't. the last, we got a tie ball game Correct. going down 18. And then yeah. a whole other thing, we got to figure out where we're going to hit off the tee yeah, then on 18. Then you're not hitting iron. Did I, you know you had a two shot lead on 18? I did. Once I tapped in, I looked at the scoreboard and they put Brooks finished. Yeah. That was. So then there was no doubt of I was going to hit iron. It was a matter of what iron. I told 
I told my caddy on the tee, just give me a wedge for my third shot. So we hit four iron off the tee. And unfortunately, it ran just through the fairway in the first cut. So I'm laying up with five. I'm like, give me a wedge. He goes, it's a perfect five iron to give you a pitching wedge. And I chunked it. I got up there. I hit eight iron in for my third shot. And that's the last <laughs> thing you want when you have water left. The only thing you can't do is hit it there. So I, I had eight iron. I, I hit the ultimate cut shot, just making sure it didn't go left and uh, got up there. I didn't know where it was. I couldn't see the green from where I was hitting. And once I got up there, I knew I had three putts to win. If you had known for sure on 17 before you were chipping that you had two, that Brooks was done and you were going to have a two shot lead, would you have still chipped? I would have chipped it. I was all, I was in the, like I said, when I left that tee box, it was in my mind to chip and I was, I was going with it. Wow. Yeah, Takes, that's uh, tough. I would, I don't know if I could handle that pressure. <laughs> my hands are sweating right now, dude. <laughs> Just thinking about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm freaking out. I mean, so obviously 2019 was an incredible year for you. Yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest moments in your life was when you met a young girl here at TPC Scottsdale named Amy. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole world has seen what happened that day on number 16 here where, I mean, this girl comes out. I don't know if you knew her at all before. Uh, I don't know what your relationship was, but that was one of the most touching moments in golf last year. And I just want to know, like, what impact has she had on you? And did you give her any advice? And do y'all still talk to this day? We do talk. We, I talk to her mom. Her mom won't give her my cell phone because she said she'd never <laughs> leave me alone. So I do talk to her mom frequently. And Amy will send me videos, whether it's on social media or through her mom's cell phone. She'll send me videos, um, which is which is awesome. I, I did not know her before I met her there on the 16th tee. I knew her story. I'd had that sent to me. I'd seen her golf swing. That day transformed me in, in multiple ways. You know, it was there for her. The day was there for her. And the to her to have a good time and the impact she had not on me, but millions around the world. I mean, 50 some 50 million people saw that video, her attitude, her energy, um, you know, in the world, when there's so many negative things in this world, that is what the world needs. We need more positive energy. We need more of her. And it's, it's been amazing to stay with her. I mean, I'll tell you an impact. And I, I had, I did, this just happened in Maui a couple of weeks ago. I'm playing after a round on Saturday. I'm going through the autograph line, signing autographs, and a kid comes up to me and he says, hey, hey, Gary, can I talk to you for a second? He said, I have special needs. And he said, that video that I saw with you and Amy makes me believe that I can be a normal kid. And I just want to say thank you. And I mean, I got emotional. I mean, we hugged it out. It was that's the impact that one person can have. I mean, she has done unbelievable stuff for me and my family. I, I mean, I think about it all the time. I mean, her attitude, I got this, I got this. You know, when things start going bad, I say it to myself a lot. But like, that impact that that had on that kid, I mean, if we can do little things, it can have a positive impact on one person. It's uh, it's worth every second. That's incredible. Is that one of the, like, coolest kind of pinch yourself moments, I guess, that you have to, that, that you come across now that you're like, you are a celebrity, you are a guy that the kids look up to, you are one of the best golfers in the world. And now all of a sudden, instead of just being a guy chasing on the PJ Tour, you are like a, an idol or a guy, a guy that people look up to. Is that one of the coolest things about being where you are in the world of golf right now? No doubt about it. And, and things like that, you know, we're in a, we're in a pretty good position where we get to meet special people. We get to meet, you know, people that do extraordinary things, but you never know where it's going to lead. And that led to a relationship with Amy that I'll have forever. That led to having a positive impact on people's lives. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're in a fortunate position where we're able to do that things. And it's nice to make the most of them. And we definitely made the most of that day. Yeah, that's yeah. special. I mean, absolutely incredible. And I mean, while we are talking about some kind of deeper things than what we <laughs> normally do here. Right. Yeah. Um, recently, obviously, we lost an absolute legend in this world and Kobe Bryant. And being the basketball fan you are, I'm just Kind of what's your thoughts on Kobe? And I mean, can you believe like the impact he left on this world? I mean, him him passing away was was a worldwide. I mean, it affected the world. 
Uh, it was a very emotional day um, for me and my wife. You know, we, we actually shed some tears together. Um, obviously, him being a father, I'm a father. Um, you know, I grabbed my son, you know, yesterday after it happened and, and just didn't want to let him go. And, you know, Kobe's basketball stats and everything that everything he did on the basketball court, the impact he's had speaks for itself. You can look that up. You can see it. But my images of, of Kobe are him at the basketball games this year with his daughter playing basketball with his daughter. You know, he's, he's on a helicopter. He's taking her to a basketball game. He's being a father. And I, it's the impact he's had on, on her and the, his attention, attention to detail and everything that he does, his work ethic that he was instilling in his kids. And that you watch the NBA after it happened and all these guys crying. It's unbelievable the impact he's had throughout the game off the court on these people's lives. And that's uh, that's something that, you know, I don't know. I'd never met Kobe personally, but it's I think I speak for a lot of people. I feel like I knew him. Yeah. And it, it hit home. You know, he, he lost his life with his daughter, with, you know, and other family members and people in there um, in the helicopter. And you feel for those families, you pray for those families. And, and hopefully I think the world will come together and, and try to help them through this moment. And it, it's impacted everybody. Yesterday was a tragic day, I think, for not only the world of sports, but for the world. Um, you look through the the media and every on every channel, it was talking about Kobe Bryant. And it's uh, it, it, it's it was hard to deal with. Yeah. I mean, literally since the time it happened, like, I mean, Sports Center, it's just been total yep. Kobe. I mean, everything, even like, um, you know, it, it happened around the final round of the Tory, the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. And like you could just tell the energy was just sucked out of yeah. the place. I mean, granted, it happened not too far from there. But, like, it's just such a huge impact. I mean, they showed, you know, newspaper covers in China and all over the world where, where Kobe was on the cover. Yeah, it wasn't just basketball players. It was, like, every every walk of life presidents were commenting on it. There's very few people in sports that, if they pass away, are going to have that kind of impact to where, like, presidents are coming yeah. out and saying how heartbroken they are and things like that. It was just... I'm going to be honest. It would have been hard for me to play yesterday. Like, we were playing a practice round yesterday when I found out, and it... I ended up putting it on my phone and I was just so drawn to it and devastated. You know, like we were talking when we found out we were hoping it was fake. Yeah. Like you just didn't want it to be real. And, you know, Tiger Woods, his caddy found his caddy didn't tell him to after the round because I think he knew the impact it would have had on Tiger yesterday. I mean, Tiger was obviously emotionally distraught after the round talking about it, um, who he was actually personally friends with him. So it was uh, it was a devast- devastating day. And but. I mean, he will live on forever. His impact both on and off the basketball court um, is something that we can all look up to. Yep. That's very well said. And I want to ask you one last serious question. We're going to change the tone here and get into some fun stuff here. But um, you mentioned Kobe being a father and now you being a father and things like that. How has your perspective changed in the way you view golf? Like, obviously, you you aspire to be the best golfer in the planet. You want to be as best as you can. But now that you're a father, how has fatherhood changed the way you look at golf? Has it changed the way you kind of like it's this isn't (laughs) life and death out here. I want to be the best. But you know what? At the end of the day, there are things that are more important. I think it's made me a better golfer from the standpoint when I'm at the golf course, I know I have to work because when I get home, you know, when I used to four years ago, when I went home, that's all I thought about was golf, golf, golf. When I go home now, I have, don't have time to that. I got a kid climbing all over me. I got, you know, two baby girls screaming and crying. I don't have time to think about that. And from that, it's made me when I'm at the golf course, I get my work in and I'm more detailed and more focused when I'm there. On the other side of that, like when I played bad, I played bad at Torrey Pines. When I get home, my son doesn't know what I shot. So it puts it in perspective real quick. He doesn't care. It, it kind of helps me kind of get over that a lot quicker, um, which is which has been good. But 
I have a long road ahead. We only have three kids, um, two and a half and under. And uh, luckily, my wife is amazing and does everything for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, have to do much outside of, of playing golf and being there and being a good dad. Um, she takes care of everything, which is good. Yeah, she's in the trenches. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. The trenches. Uh, I got one young one too, and I got one. You got three. It's the trenches. She's, yeah, she's it's real uh, life. She's good. And so, sorry, you said that was the last serious one. I got one more. Oh, one more serious, serious one. Serious We're getting one. real serious today. I like this. This, this is. We're this digging is, in a little bit. Deep. Gary deep. uncut. So, <laughs> Gary, when I mention the names Durkheim, Marks, and Weber, what do they mean to you? Hmm, good question, Colt. Dirks. <laughs> Durkheim, Marx, and Weber. Those names ring a bell? No. Oh, weird. Well, Gary, you uh, majored in sociology at Kansas, and they're the founding fathers <laughs> they're of only sociology. The biggest so, <laughs> obviously. Well, Kansas is listening to this right now. <laughs> I like, oh I've been out of school for. <laughs> they're the founding years? fathers of what yeah, you majored in. It'd be like majoring in history and being like, what do the names Washington and Lincoln mean to you? I have no <laughs> I idea. I was thinking Dirks, Nowinski, <laughs> Webb, Simpson. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> KU, KU admin right now is like, erase uh, that. Yeah, please delete that. <laughs> his, we are so his screwed. diploma's fake. It was an honorary diploma. I graduated with flying colors. That's yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, with flying. Yeah, yeah. it shows. You're, you're yeah. so, that major. I, God, I hate to see what you minored in. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So obviously, you're a Kansas boy. You know, born and bred. Uh, we've we've shared a lot of meals together. A lot yeah. of a lot of good times together. For a while, you never ate anything but steak and potatoes, yeah. meat and potatoes, basically. Literally. I mean, never anything. It doesn't green. surprise me. You've, yeah. You yeah. seem like a meat and potato yeah. guy. You recently adapted. Adopted. You kind of eat some green things every once in a while now. Slowly, but uh, yeah, I'm not all the way there. But I'll eat some like broccolini. Mm. I'll eat uh, Brussels sprouts on the rare occasion. So I've worked. I didn't eat rice till I got to college. I mean, I literally grew up on fast. You didn't food. eat rice? No, I grew up on fast food. How do you get 18 years old and never have some rice? Because <laughs> like they don't have that at McDonald's. A good point. Yeah, it's a good, good point. point. Okay, so saying that, I know you hate anything from the water. You won't go yeah. in the water. Anything? No. And you're a diehard. KU basketball fan. Yep. Would you rather eat an oyster or never watch a KU basketball game again? Oh gosh, tough question. On the spot. I mean, you say oyster too. Like, could you find anything grosser than? Oh, that? they're so yeah. good. Oh my god, I've never have had an oyster. But they look terrible. If you're saying that, I'm probably going to eat one. I mean, it's you not gonna kill to. you. Yeah, I mean, maybe. There's, when people die from mercury from fish and all that stuff. <laughs> I love that that's what you're paranoid about. <laughs> For um, Rock Chalk Nation, I think I you got to take that oyster. Yeah, I would take that. You okay, got to take that down. I just want, I'm glad you support your team. Don't you put Tabasco or something on that? Yeah, Tabasco is the preferred condiment I would, for oysters as far as I know. I would take something on that mm -hmm. before I eat that. Yeah, that's disgusting. All right, that's fair. I'm not a big oyster guy either, so I'm oh. with you on that. I want to talk to you about something that uh, doesn't get a lot of attention. I feel like it should, and uh, that is your strut. The way that you walk around the golf course. I feel like it's not brought up enough. Um, is You have a very confident strut. Chest is out, almost like a peacock with the feathers out and all that. I feel like you've, you've, you've worked your way into arguably, you're in the conversation for best strut in the game of golf. But I don't remember this, Colt. You, could, you can back me up on this. I don't remember this from 10 years ago, the, the Gary strut being exactly what it is now. Has that, have you morphed into no, the strut or was this something you always had? That's all just, I know. I you're on TV more. I would walk different if I knew how. That's just all I know how. That's just how. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good strut. I feel, this is my hierarchy of struts. I'm not going to, in no order. These are just the top. It's you. DJ has a very good strut. Brooks yep. has now somehow morphed his way into, he has a very big strut. Similar to yours, chest yep. out, slow, very. It's called like chest press. And that's what the Is that what it is? Yeah. If you're like just in the gym, it looks so like it? Little and, and you know. And weak. Just weak. say it. There yeah, you go. go. Yeah. All right. Chest, Cut that like, and post that. 
you know, do some chest press and your chest gets Rory, better. So Rory's it's not the walk. Stre- Rory has bounce. like a bounce. Yeah. Yeah. Rory is like a happy all little. All those four guys, me, my, myself, Rory, Brooks, we all lift weights. True. You think that's what it is? If you're jacked, you walk like that? Who else is? Anyone else that's Bryson, strong out there? That Bryson's pretty jacked now. Bryson, oh, are you worried about Bryson now taking over as like one of those? Like, no. I feel like right now it's you, DJ. I just named them all. Brooks, no. Rory. You're the strong guys, and now here comes Bryson, dude. He's in that gym, though. No. You're not worried about that. I'm not. You catch Bryson in an alley, you're not worried about that? No, Bryson's too nice. Okay. Yeah. Bryson's I think he's a nice guy. You in the octagon against Bryson, I don't think it's close. To no. Be honest. Uh, Bryson's a nice guy. He's, he's a teddy bear. He's right. super nice. But saying that, you know, talking about lifting weights in gym, do you think the future golf, it's kind of already gone that way, but do you think all the kids coming out now are going to be big, strong, fast athletes? I, I do. I think Tiger Woods changed that for everybody. Um, you know, growing up, you didn't lift weights. They, everybody said that was bad for golf. I agree. And now Tiger's out there looking jacked and and doing his thing, and he looks like an athlete out there. And uh, the game, the game's getting bigger. The you know, last week at Torrey Pines, I mean, the golf course was so big, the rough was nasty. And you, you look at the guys that are Leishman and John Rahm, and the guys that are up there on top of the leaderboard. They're all bombers who who have the ability to get it out of that thick rough. Um, you need the speed and you need the power to do that. And I think the game is trending towards that. Do you need muscles, though? Because, like, they're skinny guys. No. Like, Justin Thomas ships it. He's Correct. tiny. He's you don't, a buck 50, probably. Like, you don't have to have it. But I feel like like you're always – you're like a – like, Justin Thomas, no matter what he does, he's never going to be yeah. you or Brooks or whatever. But, like, it's not vital. It's just the thing that I think the bigger guys are going to. Like, it's a, it's a nice asset to have but not mandatory. It is. It's all – you know, when I train now, I train to stay healthy. You know, I'm not out there trying to, to get jacked. I don't – I don't have the six pack and everything that you know everybody's fighting over right now. Um, Bryson has one. He said it. <laughs> Bryson apparently has a six pack, so maybe time to tone up a little bit. Brooks's comeback was unbelievable. That was the that best was... mic drop of Twitter yeah. that I've Unskilled seen him. in the golf world. Yeah, I haven't heard from him since. Brooks is funny. Tweeted? Like we we need to get Brooks to get out more because Brooks is funny. Um, but yeah, I don't. I train to stay healthy. I'm not out there trying to to look great for everybody. I'm See, out there trying to stay healthy. But like you talk about the the Brooks and Bryson six-pack little Twitter war they had. Don't you think we need more rivalries in golf where, like, guys yeah. don't enjoy each other? Yes. Like, it makes it more fun. Like I think that was the deal, like, back in the day. You know, you had Tiger and Phil going back and forth, and, you know, then they became friendly, and you're like, gosh, no, we want those guys to – I think it was more fun when you had Bird and, J- and John. Yes. Know, Magic. You had these guys that didn't like each other playing. Um, even if they're friends off, you, they didn't seem like they liked each other on there. Um, yeah, we definitely need more than that in golf. And I think that's – I, I think that's what's great about Brooks. Brooks is not afraid to say anything. Rory's not afraid. Justin Thomas is not afraid. And it, I think it you shows know. that they're the top players in the world. They're not afraid of anybody. You think we'll see some more of that? You got anyone in your in your eyesight right now? You want to take a well, shot? Now that Colt's somewhere? not playing anymore. Yeah, Colt's kind of the obvious takes, guy to go at. Yeah. My rival uh-huh. love so coming people, at me. Yeah. Um, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I, I'll beat anybody. I love, yes, there we you go. Know, I love but, that. I mean, Patrick Reed's trying his hardest. <laughs> he really to get is. This thing going. <laughs> and you were paired with him in the Bahamas <laughs> when was. all this happened. Oh, yeah. Can you explain, please explain to us, just give us a little, you don't have to go all the way into it, but a little, like, what the hell happened? And where I, were you when this was happening? First of all, I hit, I had 100 yards. He had 50. I hit it to a foot. So I was no backstopping. I was being nice and I was going up there to tap in is what I was doing. Um, and I was walking off the green. I was actually talking to Bones, and he was in a not very good spot. He had an unbelievable shot. And Bones and I both said, wow, that shot was unbelievable from where he was. Um, and then a couple holes later, I I had heard that it was, that he there was some question of what happened if he grounded his club on 11. 
when we got done, we walked into the the scoring trailer. He he knew none of this. He didn't know any of it until we got done. Slugger White, you know, the head rules official sitting in there. They had a TV in there and it was on replay, just loop. You could just see the thing over and over again. And uh, to be honest with you, he owned it right then and took it. And then, you know, I I, I think it got a, a, he was trying to defend himself or whatever in the media. I think if he would have just said the same thing he said in the scoring trailer to Slugger White, he's like, I didn't mean to do that. I wish there was another camera angle that could show that it was not in my intent. Uh, I think it would have been a lot better, you know, but here's the deal. Patrick Reed, there's nobody that <coughs> plays better with people hating him than him. I mean, it's guys, incredible. Yeah, he, I think he what he did the next day. I mean, people forget he went out the next day and shot six under after all the media backlash and everything he did. Um, and then, you know, show him the President's Cup when. You know, he was getting roughed up. I was there. It was it was bad. I mean, to be honest with you, it you was, can tell us some of the stuff that was said. If it you was want. it We're was fine bad. with that. I mean, they're you know they're cussing him out. They're f you f you know this that. I mean, the the fans were ruthless down there, screaming about my mom. I mean, it was it was some bad stuff. But he showed up on Sunday when he hadn't you know he'd lost what was I think he'd lost three matches. He showed up on Sunday and played better than anybody. I mean, the guy has a knack for playing him against the world um, better than anybody. So. You know, more power to him on that. Yeah, he likes that chip on his shoulder. He does. Like, but you, you got well. into the President's Cup there, which is a great segue. What was you, you were mentioning what the fans were like. They were screaming at him. Yeah. It was tough, no doubt. We could see it For on sure. TV, and I'm sure we saw one tenth, <laughs> one one hundredth of what was going on out there. What was it like in the team room? Was was everybody like, you rally around Patrick Reed, knowing that he's going through all this? Or was it kind of weird being there, like, hey, that didn't really look good. I don't know what was going on, or what was that like? When you come into a team, you know, event like that, you know, there's every team has somebody that you hate the guy if he's on your te- if he's not on your team right. you love him if you're on yeah. the team and we know and you asked Tiger Woods Tiger Woods picked Patrick Reed for a reason because under the gun you want Patrick on your team you really do whether whether you like everything that goes on with around it or not you like him on your team and so that was the whole deal in there we we wanted him we were trying to support him on Sunday um you know he'd obviously had a rough go you know with his brother-in-law Kess who I think was just really defending to be honest with my opinion when he was just defending Patrick I mean that they had just lost, you know, again, and the match people were getting crazy in their face, and he he'd had enough of it, and you know, unfortunately, <laughs> he got a little physical with somebody. But it is what it is. He was defending his caddy or his player to a point. Yeah, that's not on Patrick. Um, so I don't I don't have a problem with any of that that happened. And Patrick showed up on Sunday, um, and we were all there supporting him. And like I said, he went out and got us a point a point that we desperately needed. Um, and so in the middle of that, the team was was all supportive and all ready to go for him. Yeah, and I've been saying this for years. Like, it's unfortunate the thing happened with Patrick, with his brother-in-law pushing the guy or whatever happened. But I've said it for years. These fans think that rope or the boundary of the court or the field, that they can just say whatever they want. And it's like trash talking and all that's fun. I love it. But some of these people get really personal. And I've said someone from the NBA court, someone from the baseball diamond is going to just bolt into the crowd. And finally they had enough. Yeah, you see it in other sports yes, I mean, too. It's yeah. crazy. Granted, in football and stuff, you can't hear what they're saying. I mean, golf, they they think that rope is just a, force a wall. Field, like, they, they can't get can me past this. I'm like, you can't say some of the stuff you say. Like, if you said that out at a bar one night, it's not going to end well. Yeah, and we're closer than any other sport. We're closer to the fans because you know half the time, half of us are outside. The, not you. <laughs> well, we're saying, outside the walls anyway. We're in the middle of the people. <laughs> so we, I mean, we're literally you can touch, you can touch up, we can touch, you know, whatever it is. So it it is. You know, and the more alcohol that gets flowing later in the days, um, you know, Phoenix Open, you know, you just hope nothing happened. It helps now we have cops with every group. Um, security's been beefed up, but it is a little scary sometimes. You know, it seems like the fans continue to get closer and closer to where we're walking. And, 
you know, you always have somebody that, you know, unfortunately you have the one person out there that says something and, you know, sometimes it gets taken out of hand, unfortunately. Don't be afraid to crack somebody if they look yeah. at you wrong, Gary. I know you won't. I know you won't. This is all good. So we got a new little segment that we're going to do here. We call it Emergency Nine. It's nine questions, personal questions, some a little bit of golf questions, but mostly just get to know Gary for all these guys. You're a superstar now, so everybody knows you, but, for, but deep inside of Gary, that's where we want to go. You with me? So this is called Emergency Nine. Don't think too much about the questions, but we're going to fire off nine in a row. I'll go first. Um, just get to know Gary a little bit. So one favorite favorite movie? Top Gun. God, it's incredible. God, that's what a, a hot, movie. Me too. That's a hot one. Second one coming out. Let's go. Yeah, we ready for that? Yes. Is Val, I, is Val Kilmer in that? I, I've heard he's gone weird off the deep end. Is he in it? He's I resurfaced? I don't know that. I get nervous when these, these superstar hits... This is a long time it's, from the first one. I know, so. but look at it's what's happened with Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber right? was the epic one. They, they, they haven't really. It's I mean, Top Gun was worked perfect. out. It was. Not Name one that's a classic. That's just, there were the sequel. You're like, yeah, that was great too. Haven't Maybe been like a lot. Die Hard. All their things. haven't been a lot, but not many. Yeah, but Top Gun's more of a classic than. All right. Then uh, all right, go. Stay on the topic of movies. If there was going to be a movie made about you, mm. who would play you? This is one of my favorite questions yes. to ask people. Denzel movie Washington. about your oh. Denzel. Okay, wait. No, that's a good answer, dude. I what? can see it a little bit. Why would I take this seriously? Unbelievable. He's my favorite actor. He would I take this seriously. Yeah. I take this very right, seriously. Fine. I think that's a great response. Colt, I'm going to give you a I chance love for Denzel a rebuttal. Washington, by the way. You pick who plays Gary. You're the director, so you have all casting uh, privileges. Oh, man, I, I didn't know you were going to do this. I've no, this is just this. off the top. I have one that I've yeah, thought who of do you got? just right now. Brad Denzel, Pitt. very good answer. <laughs> Brad Pitt, no, he's out. Way too old for you now, dude. Okay. I gotta go current. I'm going Chris Evans. He's a dude. You know who he is? No. He, no. Uh, he's like one of the superheroes. Somebody help me out here. He's in a bunch of stuff. If you Google him right now, I you thought know. one. It's he was in not another teen movie. Though. Remember him? No, who? I haven't seen that. Not another teen movie. Have you seen him? He's the main mm, dude. Nah. What's he in? Captain America. Oh, That's yeah. what he is. He's a oh, superhero. Great. I'll yeah. take that. Chris Evans. He kind of similar that. look, similar build. He's, you're not as jacked as he is, but you could work on it. I, I think was, he'd be good. I hate to say it, but what is it? Matt Hardy. Matt. Hardy? Oh yeah. Hardy. Yeah. I know what you're talking about Matt no. Hardy. He, he played. He played Bane. Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Bane from Batman. Yeah. Oh, dude. Gosh, that's, that's like oh, it's a maybe the big, That's these are way too nice. Yeah. These are way too I love nice. This to show. Tom Hardy would be like the dream guy to play you at any point. All right. All right. Because I love these questions so much. Who plays Colton? Who plays me? Go. You're the director. Fire. Um, I have mine. Just remember how nice we were. I have <laughs> mine. Yeah, we just gave you nice. Oh, ones. you we should hear who thinks him. plays him. Mine's obvious. You won't <laughs> get obvious. it. But you'll know it's obvious once I say it. <laughs> can it be anybody? Can they be alive or not? Yeah, you can go alive. different eras yeah. if you want. We'll open it up. For I'll let Chris Farley play Colt. <laughs> oh, that's. I'm perfectly fine with tip that. Tip the cap yeah. to that one. That's a nice one. All right, now the sleeves. And the it's a big role, dude. There's only a few guys that can play it. <laughs> oh what's his name what's the guy from 40 year old virgin what's his name <laughs> steve carell steve carell oh, okay never I, thought of him i wouldn't like be it. mad at it yeah. yeah comedy genius if i'm building my own movie <laughs> jamie fox obviously yeah yeah i that, get it that's he's, he's a badass exactly see gary gets it gary he that's gets what, it. That's Denzel, literally think, one of my favorite like, questions. Who wouldn't Denzel to be them in a movie? Denzel would be the, the best. top three guy you could. It'd be go Brad Pitt, Denzel. Go on with the questions. No, I love that question. All right, that's a great. Oh, so, all right. Celebrity crush, either now or when you're growing up. And male or female? Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Mm, current day? Jenny yeah. or Jenny Earthly Friends? Like, early Friends Jenny. Early she looks the I exact mean, same, but so it's the I same mean, answer either way. Jennifer Aniston. Love her. Yeah, she's coming back. Rumor is she and Brad Pitt are getting back together. So might want to get on that if you're going to make a movie. 
Just, keep, just keeping you, keeping you posted. <laughs> God, who's yours? TMZ Let's just do all here. of us since we're all in the same room. I told you mine, Margot Robbie. Oh yeah, mm. she's yeah, mm-hmm. she's great too. Mm-hmm. Well played. That's good. Is your male celebrity crush Jamie Fox as well? Jamie Fox again. <laughs> <laughs> Across the board, any celebrity question is Jamie Fox. Perfect. I got mine would be J Lo and or nope, scratch that. One A Halle Berry to mm. J Lo. Love Halle Booked. Berry. Too. Yeah, I mean, can't go so, Halle Berry from like James Bond and Swordfish yeah. and all that. Yeah. All right. This is always fun. Who's the most famous person in your phone besides me? Tiger Woods. That's famous. That'll do it. That's who's more famous in the world. Who could you say that'd be more famous? Trump. Michael Jordan. Maybe a president. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe Jordan. Probably Jordan. I'll trade you Michael Jordan's number for Tiger Woods number. That's a fair trade. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. And let's call him right now. He didn't get it from me. Let's call him right now. All right. Next question. If you could trade places with anyone in the world for one year, who would it be? You don't got to be them forever, but just like, that'd be fun to be for a year. Who you got? Don't say an athlete. Go don't outside. Say an athlete. Yeah, go. say whoever he wants. I like to add parameters to my questions. Um, it, It's easy to say like LeBron. That'd be fun. Dunk on people's heads. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Especially for you. Who, a real Derek Jeter when he was playing. Jeter. Mm, not for a, for a litany of reasons. <laughs> I know why too. <laughs> for a litany of reasons for Derek Jeter. Very, he would be good. good. His heyday. But you can I go know. in entertainment. You can go in entertainment. <laughs> you can go outside. Just don't say uh, the obvious. LeBron would yeah, be I mean, the obvious. Derek Leonardo. Jeter's a good one. Derek Leonardo. Jeter's good. I'll allow that. Give me one B. Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Yeah. That, that, it's amazing. That's correct. That, um, that's the correct answer. Why, why do you pick these guys? It's just so, <laughs> they're so weird. Obviously, they seem like good guys. Yeah. How exactly. would you not? Are you are, are you disputing the Leo? No, call? I, I mean that's a love dude, it. That's <laughs> poke a hole in that one right now. Tell me why Leo's life sucks right now, and I'll listen uh, to he it. Makes forty million dollars. <laughs> okay. A yeah, movie. He's, and... he's going to be in the best movie of the year. He's not married. He flies around and on yachts Models. and stuff. Once yeah. A, once his supermodel <laughs> girlfriend turns twenty eight, she's out, and he goes yeah. back to a younger one again. Yeah. He's like Matthew McConaughey from Days of but yes. I get older, they stay the same yep. age. That's his motto. That's on his tombstone. All right, keep All going. Right. That's a good answer. Number six, best golf shot you've ever hit. This one should be easy for you. Uh, I'm going to have to go two because I'm going to say the chip shot on 17 and then the three wood I hit on uh, 14. Wow, that, same tournament. Oh, that nice. won me the golf tournament. I mean, it's obviously the biggest one in my career, but I had a one-shot lead over Brooks. A lot could I could hit that ball out of bounds. I could have lost the golf tournament with that golf shot, and I hit a three wood from – 265 uphill into the wind um, and knocked it up there to make birdie. That was uh, that was the best golf swing I've ever had. That's good. good. And they're both from the same tournament, yep. and you end up hoisting it at the end. Good one. Um, okay, all right, on the other side of that, most embarrassing moment you've ever had on the golf course. Have you ever topped one? Have you ever um, topped a three-wood? Three-wood's very toppable, even for great players. I've seen it. Friday's round. Oh, he's got one. Of Eastlake Tour Championship this this past year. I got 50 yards. I'm playing playing great. It might have actually been Saturday. Either Anyway, it's the last hole. I got 50 yards, and I'm in the rough. Back pin. There's a million people around. Colt knows this because he lit me up and sent me a video <laughs> afterwards. I, bl- I was trying to hit a flop shot, and I straight up Knife? bladed it straight. Oh, I mean, flew the people. I, I hit it 100 yards. It was 50 yards of the flag. I flew it I'll take the over on 100. Flew into the clubhouse. <laughs> With your clubhead speed, there's no way it only went 100. Ended yet. up making triple from 50 yards. Um, I was so – because I – the problem was I had to walk up to get my ball to come all the way back. So I had to walk through all the 10 people. rows of people. Ugh. The grandstands are all there. Everybody's on 18. 
Uh, what year was that? that? Was, was that this, this year? year? That was this year. After you won, too. Yeah. Like, oh, this is our U.S. Open champion. Yeah. Watch the, guy the shot. Watch looks, the shot. Oh, my gosh. Looks like a guy from my member guest. Um, <laughs> that was really bad. That's I'll a say, tough me one. Me and Gary have this relationship where we do mess with each other quite a bit. Obviously, he has a lot more shots I can make fun of him because they're on TV a lot more than me. Right. But immediately, like, no matter if I'm ever on TV and I do something, like, my first really good finish was at Hilton Head in, like, 2012. I had like eight feet to finish tied for second and I missed it. And the first text I get is, do you have, do you have any idea how much money that cost you? <laughs> <laughs> and then in Malaysia, like two years later, he has a three footer to tie for second and horseshoes it so bad. And I film it and send it to him. And I just go, whoops. That's a special friendship. Yeah, it's that, good. It's, like when you, did you whack the last hole at uh, the players one year to miss the course? Like you're going to miss the course record. Record. Last just, like, That was stupid. What I an idiot. I would have birdied it and just set it out right. I think it was something like, do you have any idea that you just missed the course record because of that? How many so great players that played? You could have beat all of them, but instead you three whacked it like a complete lair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that was me. Uh, all right, number eight. Obviously, big basketball. Oh, I like guy. this one. This too. is a good one. This will be good. What NBA player most resembles your basketball game? Current day NBA player. Or now nah, we can no, I'll open it up. You yeah. can go outside of it, but this is one I'm very interested in in hearing. Uh, Steph Curry. Oh, Steph. <laughs> Oh, that's so he's got Denzel, Leo, and Steph for his three guys right now. (laughs) Love yourself more. (laughs) Love yourself more. I mean, Steph, we both shoot it. We both love golf. I mean, pretty much got handles. Exactly. Yeah. You're identical. Uncanny, the similarities between you two. That's incredible. Steph, is that the real answer? That's your game? All right. I I love that that's the real answer. Steve Kerr's not playing anymore. He just sat out there and shot. I would take Steve Reddick. You could have a Reddick. You could have a JJ Reddick type of a guy. He went to Duke, so I got to. I thought you were gonna say like Tyler Hero or something like that. I like Tyler. He's Hero, so nice, so nice. So same nice. agency. Oh, he yeah, he's same. You yeah. should hang out. You should play him. He's in Miami. He's down in the three hundred five. He is Mister three hundred five. Go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm gonna tell you mine. You didn't ask it, but I'm gonna tell you it because <laughs> people will want to know. I'm Lou Williams. <laughs> Gosh, instant buckets. No D, just First buckets. Off, you have to start being asked the questions. You no, but I, I asked these there. with us in mind. I want to get everyone involved. We, you know, this, this is, is Gary's show. Gary, yeah, we're going to tell you all about Drew. This is Gary's show, but, you know, it's a get to know everyone. We're, we're young in this podcast world. People need to know us a little bit. Okay, last question of the, this of is the E9. One. You got a 10-foot putt for your life. It's on the line. Who do you want to putt it, me or Colt? Colt. Jesus. Didn't even right. hesitate. Has, the interview's over. This is, uh, this <laughs> we haven't will, played together since college. This one will never be aired. Oh, yeah, you did. Sm- the last time we played in college, this was the first time you ever won in college. I had no idea who he was. I showed up, and I was like, who is this kid from Kansas? I hit, I remember this distinctly. I'll tell the story real quick. We're playing in uh, Sand Creek. Where, yeah. What state is that? Ohio. We're in Ohio, Ohio dude. It poured first rain. First off, y'all argued about the name of this golf course for an hour the other night. Sands Creek or Sands Sand Station, something like that. I don't, still don't remember. Uh, you won the tournament. <laughs> I won. You I so some respect to the tournament, dude. <laughs> Cleveland uh, State hosted. Cleveland State was the host. That's where regionals were going to be. We're all up there. I hit driver off the first tee. Never met Gary. Didn't know him, nothing about him. Hit driver off the first tee. Boom. Pipe it just like I do. Probably a slight bomb. Not a super bomb, but a slight bomb. <laughs> and uh, I put the head cover on him like I'm going to kill this kid. We're both in the hunt, by the way. This is like the last I'm gonna kill This, this is like the only kid. time I contended. And I uh, put my head cover. I'm like, I'm going to destroy this kid from Kansas. Never heard of him. He gets up with an iron. It's like a long par four. I'm like, what is this? How, how shook must he be with the driver to be pulling out iron right now? This guy's got nothing. He has this iron. And it flies like five. There's zero roll. It flies like 10 yards past my driver that I just hit pretty good. And I, I like looked. I was like, oh, my God. Like, is this like this has to be a flash in the pan. Otherwise, I would hurt this kid. You know, he can't be that good. Sure enough, he goes around, wins this thing, launched his whole career. And I got back in the van that day after the tournament. I was like, guys, 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this kid from Kansas, but he's going to be really freaking good. <laughs> he's hitting two irons, 300 in the air right now. And none of y'all in this man can mess with that kid. And sure enough, I had the eye. Here he is. Incredible champion. I could have hit driver then off the planet, by the way. I've seen it. Yeah, that's, that's probably. I hit it so much farther in college. It was unbelievable. Isn't that scary? That dude, he was hit hitting 30, 40 stupid, in college. stupid bombs so to the point speed, where I never hated myself. There was like two guys in college. Right, I tell a story. Who was so much better? Like the guys that you knew right away. One is you. When I saw that round, you won that tournament. You probably didn't do much after that, but you had a good week no. that week. Uh, and the other one was Anthony Kim. I was like, oh, uh, he was I'll never beat him. We played with him because yeah, of the him. Big 12. He was so good. It was so talented. I'm kind of offended like, you didn't say me, but that's because you never got paired with me in college. I was playing five a lot this week. I, I was pretty nasty. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where me and Gary played the five our first couple of years for a while. We were five guys. We were sinners on the squad. <laughs> well, Gary, man, that was that was a lot of fun. Couldn't thank you enough for taking the time. You're one of the best dudes out there. I freaking hate admitting that. I love that. Gosh, I need this. Recording. No, this is good. This, this is bonding. It is recorded. It's good to you. But thank you so much, so much for being on the Subpar Podcast, man. We really appreciate, really appreciate it. You You're a legend. Best. Hope to come Thanks, back. Thanks, dude. Absolutely. And that was our interview with U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland. And what an interview it was. Learned a lot of stuff about Gary that I didn't know. Namely, that his uh, sociology major from the University of Kansas is complete trash. Seeing that he didn't complete. know the godfathers of sociology. So uh, the University of Kansas is probably trying to revoke that as we speak. Also, he has the palate of a five-year-old. They only ate uh, the same food until he was like 17. It's true. Yeah. I've, I've so. shared a lot of dinners with Gary, and um, it's 100% true. He has started to experiment a little bit here and there, but he's not kidding. It was he's straight meat potatoes. Meat potatoes. First off, his mom and his and his now wife used to cut up his food for him at all times. Is too, that by true? The way. Oh, that's used true. Used to slice it up. Sorry for him. to bury you there, Gary, but it's a hundred percent. Like a mom true. that cuts the crust yeah. off of your PB and J. Can't eat it without it. But uh, what a great guest he was. Like we said, U.S. Open champ. Um, hit some unbelievable shots coming down the stretch. I I said the shot of the year last year when he hit the chip off the seventeenth green. Um, couldn't thank him enough for taking the time to spend with us here on the Subpar Podcast. Um, but what a great guy. Wow, what a stud. Thank you for taking the time. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And to tease next week, this is a big deal for me, Colty. Our next guest next week, Kiridek Alfie Barnrat, in the house, in the flesh, right here in the studio. This guy, my number one favorite PGA Tour player on the planet. Loved him for years. This was a treat to sit down with him. He hasn't done a ton of interviews uh, stateside now that he's playing here full time. But this one was cool. This one was fun. And we got to see, I got to learn a lot of stuff about him that I didn't know. He was incredible vape <laughs> pen and all uh the guy is just he's great i mean he's like he's known as the asian john daly but he's just the nicest coolest the guy. nicest just loves life loves playing golf lives um, how all of us want to live but don't have the balls to live like that in a, in a great sense of humor and speaks incredible english Incre- i don't know why more people I'm, aren't jumping on that Ke- i'm team Kierdeck. i'm team Kierdeck. we're gonna need one of his shirts immediately but this he's dude was supposed to be sending them to us so we'll rock it one I'll day on the show on, i'll wear every shirt. it'll be our uniform from now on i got no All no right. problem with that you get to spend an evening mm. do whatever you want i like these an evening with Kierdeck, mm-hmm. halle berry oh jesus <laughs> That's really, you're really hitting you're me from all angles right together. now. Yeah, that's that's the tough one. You know, this is if there's one person in the world that I would take over Kira, you might have just named her Hallie. Bear. If I get a chance with Hallie, all, right. all bets are off. All right, sorry, Kira. That'll I'll probably try. happen too. You know, perfect. All right, well, that was great, Sleeze. Another great episode. You can follow us online. No, don't say that. That's stupid. That was great, Sleazy. Another great episode. Hit us up on social media. I am at Colt Nost. I'm at the sleazy man, fresh on the in, onto Instagram fresh. for the first time. I'm still I'm still learning my ways around there, but I'm live. And check us out at 
golf underscore subpar. That's right. Check that out. We'll have some exclusive photos, including Kiradek, our boy, blowing the biggest vape cloud you've ever seen in the history of life right here next week on Golf Subpar. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you next week. Yeah.